Thank you, Pastor. Um, you know, I want to open with a disclaimer. Um, I didn't listen to Pastor John's message. Sometimes I do that. I go in and listen to the pastor who I'm speaking for just to see what they've been preaching, and I didn't talk to him about this message. So I make that disclaimer because uh, from the sound of what he preached Sunday, it may sound like I'm re-preaching his message. You didn't use uh, Ecclesiastes 4, did you? Okay, good. At least I'll have a different text. <laughs> it, it is an honor to be here today, and I always consider it a distinct honor and privilege to share another pastor's pulpit. And it's a sacred trust as well. And I love John and Gwen and, and, uh, and this church. You're an amazing bunch of people, and they are amazing leaders and pastors. Not many pastors these days have nearly as long a tenure as they have here with you, and they're committed to you. And so thank you, Pastor, for giving me the opportunity. My wife is recovering from surgery, or she would be here today, and she sends her greetings along as well. It would be easy for me to take up uh, time saying a lot of things, but let's give it to the Word of God today. Can we do that? Would you just bow your hearts with me, and let's ask God to enter this moment in a very special way. Father, you have a message for our hearts today. You have a word for our hearts today. You have a word of challenge and a word of encouragement. And we need both of those. We, we need to be encouraged, but we also need to be challenged in our faith. And so I pray that you would help me today to say everything that needs to be said and leave unsaid those things that are not necessary, those things that will speak directly to our hearts and bring transformation in our lives. I ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen. His name's Davian only. Maybe you heard the story seven, eight years ago. I think it was 2013 that it came out uh, first time. So he was 15 at that time. He'd grown up in the foster care system his entire life. Just after his first year in high school, he decided that he wanted to locate his birth mother. All he knew about her was that she gave birth to him, gave life to him while she was incarcerated. And he was immediately taken away from her and put into the foster care system. And for 15 years, that's where he'd spent his life. He sat down at a computer, and it didn't take him long. He knew her name. He Googled the name. And sure enough, her mugshot popped up on the computer search. And just below it was her obituary. She had just died just weeks before. He sat there, and he said, well, I don't have a mother to find now, but I want a family. I want to be adopted. I want a forever family, somebody to take me and love me and care for me no matter what. So he went to his care, uh, his uh, caseworker, and he told her what he wanted to do. And she said, but Davian, you know, the older you get, the harder it is to find a family that wants to adopt you and give you a home. He said, yeah, I know that. But you know what? I, I, want, I don't want to spend the rest of my life being an orphan. I want to have a family name. I want to have a family that calls me theirs. I want to have a family that will care for me and love me no matter what. And she said, well, I don't know how we're going to do that. But together they came up with this plan and decided this happened down in Florida, that they would go to a church and they called the pastor and said, would you allow me to get up at the end of the service after everything else is done and uh, share my story and let the people know what I want to do? He got up and he shared his story. This is a portion of what he said. He said, my name is Davian Only. I've been in the foster care system since I was born. I need a forever family. I know God hasn't given up on me, so I'm not giving up either. I want to be adopted. 
He goes on to say, I don't care if you're old or young. You're just a dad or just a mom. You're black, you're white, you're purple. I don't care. I just want to be adopted. I just want people to love me for who I am, to grab me and keep me in their house and love me no matter what. As you can imagine, it wasn't a dry eye in the room when he got finished. And in the next couple of weeks, there was over 10,000 requests that came to the group home that he lived in, people interested in adopting Davian only. The first uh, attempt was a failed attempt, and he got sent back. And eventually, he was adopted by his caseworker. And, uh, and in, in 2018, he graduated at the age of 20 from high school. Davian dared to put himself out there to let his story, his need be known. You know what his need was? It was to belong. He needed a place to belong. He needed a place to hang his heart, not just his hat, and say, this is my family. This is where I belong. An amazing story and um, still being lived out as he's in college now and, and it became a, a, a national phenomenon. I, I want to talk to you today about the power of belonging. I feel I wasn't going to say this, but I feel like I need to kind of say it now because in in uh, September 2018, I was still pastoring Life Church in North Richland Hills, but I knew, my successor knew, and my wife knew that we were going to be transitioning out in the next year, and uh, we were already making plans, even though no one else knew at that point. We were laying the groundwork for the transition for my successor, and uh, that Sunday morning, I preached a version of this message. I preached it for Life Church, and it, uh, it, it was good, and it was received well, and the response was good. But as I stepped off of the platform after the altar and ministry time, it, it, the Lord spoke to my heart, and he said, this is not a message for Life Church. It's a message for the church. And I already had plans that I was going to make myself available to speak in churches and kind of go back to where I started in the beginning as an itinerant preacher and and preaching wherever I got invitations, just like I'm here today. And it was so real, I stopped and I looked around to see if there was anyone near me that could have said that, but God spoke that clearly to my heart. So I believe it is a message for the church, and I've shared it a number of times over the last couple of years. But today is another time, and another place, and another opportunity. So I want you to open your hearts today. And I don't say that to build me up. I say that to emphasize the fact that sometimes God gives a word to a person for his church. And I believe that's what's happened with this message because I see so many weaknesses in our world and in our church, particularly in regard to this. Yesterday, I Googled the power of belonging. In six-tenths of a second, I got about 273 million responses. It must be a big deal out there. It must be a big need in our world today. Vance Packard calls America a nation of strangers. Studies show that four out of every ten adults experience intense feelings of loneliness. Our American cultures produce people who are more closely identified with characters on a weekly TV series than they are their next-door neighbors. In another study published in Perspectives on Psychological Science, four major factors were identified to have an impact on early death. Now listen to these. Number one, air pollution, obesity, excessive drinking, and loneliness. Did you know living with obesity increases your chances of early death by 
living with loneliness increases your chances of early mortality by 45%. And that goes up to 50% for CEOs and people in leadership positions. You, you've heard them say often, it's lonely at the top. We live in a world where loneliness is a huge issue and a huge problem for our world. But I want to tell you, when God created man, he created us not to be alone. You remember what he said right after Adam was created? He said, it's not good that man be alone. And he wasn't just talking about the male species. He was talking about humankind. It just happened that Adam and God were the only two there that day. But he was saying to us, not that just every man needs a wife, and I think that's a good thing, and I'm grateful for mine. How many of you guys are grateful for your wives? Amen. Amen. This is your chance, guys. I'm giving you a big one. Don't miss it. But he's saying we all need to be together, connected. We need to belong. God said it's not good. The desire to belong is that human emotional need to be accepted as a member of a group, whether it's a family or friends or co-workers or a church, amen, or, or whatever. Without belonging, listen to this, when you don't belong, your identity is blurry. You can't, you can't discover who you are. Very often you'll hear people say, well, I just... I just need to find myself. I just need to discover who I am. I need to find me. And they, they want to do that in the context of loneliness. But you will never see clearly your identity in a context of being alone. That only happens when you are connected and you belong. Think about it for a moment. Without belonging, you can't find yourself. It's easy. Let me tell you, gangs are still alive in the world today. And you know why? Because young people want to belong. And the gangs are there to be their family. They thrive because of loneliness in our world. For those of you that are saying, is that preacher ever going to read a scripture? Here it comes. The Apostle Paul says to Gentiles who had been despised and rejected and kicked out by the Jews, he said, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. The Living Bible paraphrase of that says, you belong in God's household. You belong in God's household. I want to tell you, folks, the local church has not lost its importance there are some that say this whole pandemic has proven that, that we really don't need the local church. No, I think it's proven how much we need the local church. And for all of you that are watching online this morning, or you, you listen to this later perhaps, I, I want to encourage you. I get that, it's, it, and, I, and it's okay. I understand that if you don't feel safe in a public setting right now, that's the right thing to do. But I just want to say to you, and maybe I can say it in a way that your pastor can't because I'm going to leave today, and don't get too comfortable going to church in your pajamas, okay? And it's okay to worship online as long as you're worshiping. But if you're sitting there with your iPad in one hand, the TV going with the service on the other and you're checking Facebook and, oh, but you do that in church too, don't you? <laughs> oh, my. I could have I gone all day without saying that, right? <laughs> it, it's okay, and we understand. And so I, I don't want anybody to feel condemned today. 
Anytime you feel condemned, it doesn't come from God. Condemnation comes only from the enemy. And I'm not here to condemn you today, and I don't want you to feel condemned at all. We understand. But the time will come when it will be different, and you'll have the opportunity, and God wants you in this room, in these seats, worshiping with this family. Amen? It's what we do now because we have to and we need to, but the day will come when we need the church to be back to itself. Amen? I, you know, I want to read for you some words from the wisest man that ever lived. What he said about belonging, the power of belonging. It's found in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. It'll be on the screen for you so you can follow along as I read it. But I'm going to read several verses here. Ecclesiastes 4 beginning in verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, and he has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. I see four benefits of belonging that Solomon gave to us here in this passage. And they're very simple. I'm going to give, me, give you my outline up front. Is that okay? Is that fair enough? Four points. The synergy, the safety, the sympathy, and the strength of belonging. They're all four right there in that little short passage of Scripture. And I believe they are all so very powerful and important in our lives as believers and as a church. So let's get started with the synergy of belonging. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their, their toil or their work. I, I like to play golf. Now, there's a difference in people that play golf and golfers. I'm not a golfer. I just play golf, okay? And because I play golf, sometimes I get in tournaments that are called a scramble, and they put four guys together, or four golfers, sometimes ladies are there too, uh, on, on a team, and everybody hits the ball, and the one that hits it the best, we all go to that ball. And then the second shot, and we all go to the best and we, for the whole, whole game. I have never even come close to a par game of golf. And if you're not a golfer and you don't understand that, just kind of zone out right now. It's okay. won't take long here. But, uh, you know, I'm a high handicap golfer. In other words, I, I have a lot of strokes above par. But when I play in a scramble, it is not uncommon for us to come up with a score that's 10 or 12 or 15 strokes under par. That's synergy. That's synergy. You see, synergy by definition is the interaction of two or more agents or forces so that their combined effort is greater than the sum of their individual efforts. Oh, you don't want to take the individual efforts of those four guys and add them together. That would be embarrassing. But together we do things that we could never, ever, ever even dream of by ourselves in one round of golf. The word synergy comes from two parts itself. S-Y-N, sin, is a prefix meaning together, and then ergon, sounds like ergonomic, means work. So synergy just means working together. Or teamwork is the other word that we hear in our world today. Jim Rohn's a well-known, he's gone on to heaven now, but he was a motivational speaker, and he made a statement that has been become world famous and he said, you are the average of the five people whom you choose to spend time with and give your attention to. 
You're the average of the five people whom you choose to spend time with and give your attention to. So where we belong and who we are connected to is important. That's why I believe that the local church is so important. And it's not just important, it is necessary in our lives. Now, you say, but you don't have to go to church to go to heaven. I'll be the first to tell you. I can't go to the Bible and prove to you that in order to go to heaven, you have to be a member of a local church. But I want to tell you that you will never accomplish, you will never become, you will never understand the power and the joy of being a follower of Jesus Christ to its full extent without being connected to a local body. It won't happen. You need the church. Well, the church needs you too, but you need the church more than the church needs you. Let me illustrate synergy with this simple little example. The Belgian draft horse is believed to be the strongest horse in existence. Competitions are held to see which horse can pull the most weight. And as a result, and I, I've, I've verified all this. There's so much stuff on the Internet these days. You have to verify and everything. We know that one Belgian draft horse can pull about 8,000 pounds. Okay, so you, you put these guys in a, in a, as a team in a harness, and, and you think, okay, put two of them together, they can pull 16,000 pounds. But the truth is, two of them together, and, and these are two horses that have never been in each other's presence. You just randomly pick two horses, put them in a harness together, and, and those two that can pull 8,000 pounds each can pull twenty to 24,000 pounds together. You go almost up to three times as much as one alone can pull. But that's not, it, it gets better than that. Listen to this. If you take two Belgian draft horses that have been raised together on the same farm, the same ranch, they've trained together, they've played together, they've slept together, they, they know each other, and, and they, they begin to understand each other's strengths and weaknesses, and you put those two horses in a harness, you would think, okay, 16, 24, but no, they can pull up to, listen to this, 32,000 pounds. In the animal world, do you think that might work in the church? If we come together and we live together and we serve together and we train together and we learn together and we work together and we discover each other's gifts and strengths and weaknesses, and we maximize those, and we get in the harness together, we can do supernatural things. Amen? Synergy. When we belong, there's a there's, synergy is supernatural to me. I mean, it's just above, uh, it, it's above anything that can really be explained. It just happens. And I think it is a supernatural thing that God has created in, in the living world that would two come together. In fact, Jesus kind of said that at one point, didn't he? He said, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them. It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. We join our faith with Adam and other. We multiply our power with heaven. The Old Testament talks about one putting a thousand to flight and two putting how many? Ten thousand. God's not into addition so much. He's into multiplication. See, the subtitle of my message today is one plus one equals three. We multiply. You see, it's important when two people come together in synergy, they're saying, I can do good things. 
Pastor John can do good things, but when we come together, we can do great things. So do you want to be good or you want to be great? You want to be average, you want to be exceptional. The only way we can be exceptional is belong, connect, be together, be together. So for those who say I don't need the church, I just want you to understand it's the difference in being good, being great, really doing what God calls you to do and making a real difference in your world. The second thing I see in this belonging thing, the benefits of belonging, is the safety of belonging. Now, this one and the first one take longer than the other two, so just relax. It's okay. I've got a clock right here. It's 1137. Amen? The safety of belonging. There's two aspects of the safety of belonging here, and, uh, the, but the, the bottom line is we have help when we belong. We have help. Listen to this. We have help when we fight in verse 12. The first part of it says two are, two are better than one. That's the beginning of the Scripture, and you attach that to everything. A man might prevail against one who is alone, but two will withstand him. You know, when a nation goes to battle, what's the first thing they do? They look for allies. They start looking around. Who's going to get in this fight with me? Who's going to join me in this fight? If the U.S. is going to battle, they're, they're looking at France, or they're looking at Britain, or they're looking at Germany, or they're looking at all these countries around the... Who, who's going to... How many, how many can you send? How many can you send? How many soldiers, how many troops can you send? We, we need an ally. We need the ally. And I know people say, well, the Holy Spirit's my helper. Well, let me tell you something. He is a helper. But he's not the only helper, and Jesus never said he was the only one we're to depend on. Otherwise, why does the Scripture say so many times, 52 times, one another? Encourage one another. Pray for one another. Help one another. It's in there 52 times in the New Testament. So we're Pentecostal people and people of the Spirit, but sometimes we expect the Holy Spirit to do everything for us. But he's the helper, not the doer. And if you're not doing anything, how can he help you? He calls us to serve. And so we come together and we create this synergy, but it also provides a, a safety. We have an ally in our spiritual battle. How many of you in this, in this room today, you find yourself in a spiritual battle, in a, in a financial battle, in a battle in your, your marriage, your relationships, with raising your kids, with whatever, whatever the battle is, and there's people that you call, and you say, I need you to pray. I need you to help me here. I need you to stand with me. Now, many people have too much pride to do that, but you know what? God created us to belong, to be connected, so that we would find help when we fight. Solomon said, Woe to the one that, that fights alone. Two can stand up against the enemy, but one can't do it by themselves. I want to tell you, you cannot fight what you're struggling with all by yourself. You need the church. You need the body of Christ. You need to belong. That's the power of belonging, that you're not in it by yourself. You have, you have dozens of allies that you can call on and ask them to pray. You can send out a message to the entire church if you want to and have them all praying with you when you're in a battle. And listen, we, we all are going to fight battles in our lives, every single one of us. If you, don't, if you don't have battles, spiritual battles in your life, other kinds of battles in your life, you're not much of a threat to the devil. 
But because we're a threat to the enemy, we're going to have battles. But we stand together because we belong, because we're connected to the body of Christ. So I have help when I fight. But here's the other one. We have help when we fall. Listen to what Solomon said. Two are better than one because if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls has not another to lift him up. That's in verse 10. Sometimes we all feel like this little guy. Go ahead and put it up there. Next slide. There we go. <laughs> you ever feel that way? But you see, we've been programmed in our sinful nature to be ashamed when we fall. And shame drives us into darkness, into loneliness, into disconnecting rather than connecting, into not belonging rather than belonging. Sometime back I was working out in my backyard. I was coming up for a drink of water. It was a hot summer day, and I had to come from the lower part of my yard up onto my deck. And honest to goodness, to this day, I have no idea what happened. I just know one, one minute I'm stepping up on the deck, and the next minute I'm flat on my back on the deck. And I'm laying there for a moment just stunned. And, and you know what the first thing I did was? I didn't check for broken bones. I didn't look for blood. I looked around to see if anybody saw me fall. Oh, you holy bunch. It's turn your halos down. You would have done exactly the same thing. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Because we've been programmed to be ashamed when we fall. And I want to tell you, shame is not the same as repentance. We need to understand that in, in the church. We've, we've, we've called the two the same or seen them the same, that when I feel shame, I'm repentant. No, when you feel shame, you drive yourself away from God and into darkness and away from help because you don't want anybody to see you fall. None of us want to be caught when we fall, but I sure don't want to die. I want help. And, and I want you to hear this. If you don't hear anything else I'm saying today, in the church, there's a culture in the church today, church-wide, not just this church. I, I, don't, I don't know that much in detail about your, I just know it's every church. There's a culture that, that when we fall, we don't talk about it. You know, there's a, I, I don't know that it's a written law, but it's an it's a official policy, but it's arguable that, it could be that in the military, they, they have this thing that no soldier is left behind. Amen? Now, let me, let me paint a picture for you. Can you imagine in the heat of the battle, a soldier gets wounded, and his fellow soldier picks him up and starts dragging him away and saying, What were you thinking? Get shot? Why did you do that? You should have stayed. Are, are you, how could you be so stupid? And while he's dragging him out of the way of, of getting shot again so he can live, he's berating him. Can you ever, who, who was that over here that, that said that, that responded, right? Can, can you imagine a soldier ever doing anything like that? No, sir. Even if he thought it, he wouldn't say it, right? Because what do we do? When, when we're fighting in the battle and somebody gets wounded, they don't need to be told how bad they are. They don't need to be told how stupid they are. They don't need to be kicked to the curb. And, 
and friends, I want to tell you, I've grown up in the church my whole life. And my memories go back to three years old sitting on the piano bench while my mom played the piano and I played my three-string guitar. That's how, that's how old I am, <laughs> how long I've been in this. And I want to tell you, I'm just, and I'm not saying, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. I'm talking about the church in general. I have found some of the meanest, most uncompassionate, and unloving people in my whole life in the church. And God wants to change that. In the past few weeks, our hearts have been grieved. It's one of the men that many of us looked up to. He was probably the greatest apologist for the Christian church in our generation. He died not long ago, but in the last few weeks it's come out that all during his ministry he was living in sin. But then it was discovered there was no accountability. There was no place for him to go. The, 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 no authority had been given for somebody to call him out. I'm not going to call his name. If you don't know the story, it, it, uh, it, the name, it doesn't matter. The principle's what matters. If that had been a place to belong, he wasn't belonging there. He was, just, he was just the CEO there. He was the main spokesman for the organization. And now thousands and thousands and thousands, multiplied thousands of Christians are disillusioned. People that have been convinced from atheism to Christianity are now rethinking their position because this guy had no help when he fell. You see, we need to get to the place that in the church we fall. I don't care what your addiction is. I don't care what your sin is. I don't mean I don't care. What I mean is it doesn't matter. It's, it's not important how you fall. It's important that we recognize we fell. It's not a goal to fall, folks, but we will fall. And when we fall, what do we do? If we belong, we're connected, we should feel free to go to a member of that body and say with remorse and repentance, I've fallen and I need help getting up. And I want you to understand this. And when that happens, if they come to you, I had, a, I had a, a friend just a couple of weeks ago call me and said, I'm over at such and such coffee shop. What are you doing? I said, I'll be there in 10 minutes. I dropped everything I was doing, and I went. And in tears dripping off of his chin, he had fallen. He needs somebody to help him up. So people don't need to be kicked to the curb when they've fallen. They don't need to be punished. Oh, I want you to get this. God did not call us to punish sinners. Jesus has already done that for every single one of us. He called us to love them and to pick them up. And if they come to you, it doesn't mean that the whole church has to know. You're the only one that needs to know. And we need to feel it's not going to be shared as a prayer request somewhere. Amen? We've got to get back to this, folks, that when we fall, there are people in the body that we can go to and say, help me up. Help me up. I'm skipping over a few things here, but I, I want to I read this uh, from the Apostle Paul. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brothers, if anyone's caught in any transgression, if anyone falls in the battle of life, that was my, my addition there. You who are spiritual should restore him, listen to this, 
in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. I close this part with, with just, just this comment. Google spent millions of dollars uh, measuring almost every aspect of their employees' lives from which traits the best managers share to how often particular people eat together. And they were really just trying to come up with the components of the perfect team. And without sharing all the details, at the end of the day, after millions of dollars, what they discovered was the one uncompromisable component of every perfect team was psychological safety. You have to be able to be honest. You have to be able to, to, to say what's going on in your life and know you're not going to get beat up over it. Uh, are, are you with me today? Amen. We need those kind of churches. That's, that's where we belong. That's where we belong. I knew when I was a kid growing up, I didn't want to get caught doing stuff, but I knew if I did, I could go to my mama and she was going to love me. She was going to love me. It didn't matter what I did. That's what we have to have in the church today. The final part of this will actually, there's, there's two, and I'm going to kind of put these together. There's the sympathy of belonging. Uh, two are better than one because if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Now, this is practical advice for nomadic people that lived in tents in the desert. <coughs> and so the desert got hot in the day but cold at night. And, and that was advice for them. I'm not saying you just need to go out and find some friend to... You you got me, okay. I yeah, yeah, you're you're ahead of me already. You know what I what I want to say, but I'm not gonna say, okay. <laughs> it it has a message for us too though. Let me let me tell this story. There was a pastor who went to visit one of his members that hadn't been to church in a, quite a quite a while. It was cold, it was winter, it was kinda like this week. And uh the pastor knocked on the door, he opened the door, he walked in, he didn't say a word, he sat down by the hearth where the man had a hot fire in the hearth and red glowing coals in there, and, and uh, he just sat down and he looked at him and smiled at him, but he didn't say anything, the man was, get, he, he was ready to get a, a, a tongue lashing for not being in church for so long, and, but nothing, he was just kind of bracing himself, the pastor reached over on the rack where all the tools for the fireplace were, and he got the tongs and he pulled a coal out of that fire, and he set it out on the hearth. And he sat there for a few moments, and he watched it. He'd look at the coal for a while, and he'd look at the man for a while. Look back at the coal, and finally that coal went gray and cold. And he picked the coal back up, and he put it back in the fire. And he looked at the coal, and he looked at the man. A few minutes, that coal was red hot again. Without the pastor saying one word, the guy looked at his pastor, and he said, Pastor, I'll be back in church next Sunday. You see, when we, when we don't belong, we get cold. When we don't connect, we get cold. And that's what's happening to a lot of people because as hard as we try to connect online, and you that are watching online today, you know how difficult that is. It's hard to feel the same. But we have to try that until we have other options <coughs> available to us. We can't just separate ourselves from the... Sometimes because of shame, we separate ourselves and we get cold. We need the body of Christ. There's a spiritual warmth that comes from being together with the body of Christ. Uh, the Apostle Paul, again, he wrote, or the Hebrew writer, I mean, wrote, said, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. He's almost asking a question. How do you stir one another up to love and good works? And then he says, 
answers that with a statement that we've used a lot these days, but maybe not for the same purpose. Not, he said we do that by not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. He's saying we, we, we come together not just to sing a lot of songs and feel good, but we come to stir one another up. We come to challenge one another, to encourage one another. Paul told Timothy, I want you to fan into flame that gift that's in you. There's a spiritual warmth. There's also spiritual encouragement when we come together. Paul said, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We get strength to get more done. Every week there was this little old lady that would show up at the post office and she bought stamps. She'd buy a couple of stamps, that's all, every, every week. After several weeks of that, the lady that waited on her said, Ma'am, you, you don't have to come and stand in the long line every, every week to get two stamps. You can go out to that machine out there in the lobby, and, and you can buy 20 stamps at one time. And, and the little lady looked at her without one moment's hesitation and said, Yes, but that machine doesn't ask me about my arthritis. Sometimes we need sympathy. That's just caring. That's the sympathy of belonging. We find the warmth of spiritual fellowship. We find people that are willing to care for us, listen to our, our needs, listen to our heart, and, and have compassion upon us. Can you say a good amen? The Bible said rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And then finally, the strength of belonging. I find it very intriguing to me that Solomon started out talking about two are better than one, but he ended this passage with a threefold cord is not easily broken. One plus one equals three. Because you see, we read that scripture a little bit ago where Jesus said if any two come together and they ask anything, it'll be done for them by my Father in heaven. But that, that was verse 19 of Matthew chapter 18. Listen to verse 20. Verse 20 says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. We take those as two separate things, but they're together. He said, When you come together, when you connect, you bring my presence and my power into the room. So when you're, and, and I, it's not just worshiping together, that's powerful. But you know when you work together? Some of you have been working together, helping other people in the body of Christ this week. And when two of you came together to help somebody, Jesus said, I'm there. Amen? When you serve together, Jesus says, I'm there. You're not alone in this. The strength of belonging is that when we come together and we do it because of our faith in Jesus Christ, He shows up. Amen. Otherwise, it's just two people. But when we come together belonging to the family of God, Jesus is there. I want to end this way today. I didn't talk to your pastor about how you're handling ministry time, but this is what I want us to do in a moment. I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm going to ask you to respond. I'm already overtime, Pastor John. He, he'll either cut my honorarium or never, never invite me back. <laughs> there are those in the room today, you've been trying to do it alone. You've fallen. And you're scared to tell anybody. Because you don't want to get kicked. You don't want to get put down. So before we leave today, I'm going to challenge you to go find somebody in this room.
and talk to them and say, I've fallen. And, and friend, when they share that with you, you take that to the grave with you. That's not for anybody else. Not for you to go home and share with your spouse unless they give you permission to do that. They, they, they trusted you with that. They said, I want you to help me up. Amen? There's other people that you're just in the middle of a fight. Man, it's a bloody fight. and You, you can't do it by yourself. You need some help. I want you to go find people in this room. and say, I need you to pray with me. I, I need help in this fight. There's some that you just feel alone. You feel alone. Now, this is going to work two ways. Some of you have got this message, and you said, I'm tired of feeling alone, and I'm going to ask you to go find somebody and express that, that to them and ask them to pray with you and encourage you. And then there's others of you that you're going to see people in this room, and the Holy Spirit's going to speak to your heart concerning them that they are dying in loneliness and they need somebody to come to them and reach out to them. I'm, I'm going to ask you to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and, and allow that to happen in this room in the next few moments. Amen? If, if there's some musicians that want to come to the platform to kind of give us some music during this time, it's, it's a lot easier to respond like this when you've got some worship going in the background. I, I know that these are not easy things to do, but you see... Here's the deal. We should never come to the altar ever again alone. We need one another. We need the body of Christ. So I want you to stand all over the room right now. We're going we're gonna to create that, that three-strand cord. That three-strand cord is a picture of Christ and the church. That's what it is. And we come today to help, to encourage to be that three-strand cord for you. I want to tell you something. You do. You do belong. The devil's telling you you don't belong. He's a liar. You do belong. You belong with the family of God. And he wants to use that to bring healing. Healing to your heart. Healing to your health. He wants to do that to help you in the fight and give you victory. He wants to do that to pick you up when you've fallen down. Don't look around to see if anybody saw you. Look around to find somebody to tell, I fell, and I need help, and I want help. And, and you're going to receive compassion today, and you're going to receive forgiveness not only from them but from Jesus Christ. And then the healing and the restoration is going to begin. Father, right now I ask you, just tear down every wall of resistance, every fear. Right now, the lie of the enemy that nobody will understand, the lie of the enemy that Oh, if they really know who I am, they won't love me. The lie of the enemy that's being spoken into every heart right now, we, we take authority over them now, and we hear Jesus say, Come unto me, you that are weary and heavy laden with, with the fight and with the fall and with all the, the stresses and the problems and the difficulties. Come to me, and the way we come to you, Lord, is through your body, your body, the church of Jesus Christ. So we're not bypassing Jesus today. We're coming to Jesus by coming to members of his body. So in a moment, I'm, I'm going to count to three, and I, I, I just want you to move. Somebody move. If you'll move, then a lot of other people will. But you're looking for people to help you in the fight. You're looking for people to help you when you've fallen. You're looking for people to help you if you're lonely, or you're looking for lonely people to go help and offer your encouragement. That's often harder than reaching out and saying, help me. 
going up to somebody and saying, I want to help you. But Jesus wants to do all those things in the room today. So right now, one, two, three. Go find them. Members of the body of Christ right now just begin to move all over this room. You can come down the altar area if you want to and bring somebody down and say, I want you to come pray with me, or you can pray right there at their seats. Whatever works for you, just begin to move around. Give God an opportunity. And see, this is just the beginning. It's not going to all happen here. You're just trying to start a new movement, do something different. Instead of sitting in silence alone, you belong. Because you belong, you need to reach out. Go find that person right now. God's speaking to your heart and saying, you know what they need? Encouragement. Go find them and encourage them right now. Go find them. Father, right now in this room, bring healing. Bring hope. Bring help. Help in the fight. Help in the fall. Help in the failure. Help us today, Jesus. Amen. Just begin to pray with them. Hear their heart and then love them. And then it just begins today. You need to follow up after today with that individual. You online watching right now, I want you to think about the person. You can pick up the telephone and call. Maybe that person's sitting in the room with you right now. But if not, who can you call? Who in this body of Christ can you call and say, I've fallen, I need help. I'm in a fight, I need help can't do this by myself. You weren't intended to do it by yourself. That's why we have the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, use your church. I thank you for this wonderful body, people that love one another and serve one another and care for one another. And I ask you right now, Jesus' name, to bring victory, to bring help, to bring joy that as they walk out of this room today, they realize something supernatural has happened within them. They, they connected with somebody else, and, and it's not like two people connecting, but it's, there's a third there. We're better together. We're stronger together. We're more effective together. We are indestructible together. Because Jesus shows up. Let him show up for you today. If you're not praying with someone right now, would you just kind of extend your hands around the room and you connect right where you are and pray for these friends. Pray for those online right now, those that are watching us right now. You're a part of this. We're not, you're not an appendage out there that we, we ignore. You're a part of us right now. You are in this moment, and we pray for you. Lord, I pray for each one of them, and I ask you, Jesus, to speak to their hearts today that this will not just be a distant word that was heard uh, electronically, but it will be a, a spirit-anointed word that will reach deep into their hearts. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We bless your name today, Lord. We give you all the glory and the honor. Amen. 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 Can you lead us in something?